This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 485. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 485. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Mamas, before we dive in, I wanted to make sure to highlight that this is our second episode today. I've never done this before. It's like a double feature. I don't know if any of you have ever done double feature like at a movie theater where you pay for a movie and then you just stay in the theater and stay for a second movie without paying for it. So this is kind of like that, (laughs) except for that it's with a podcast and with two really amazing political candidates, moms, shameless moms. So I hope you listened to the episode with Dr. Alexandra Owensby, which was also released today. If not, make sure you add that to your listening list. And then today, or for this episode, we have Kelly Rose. So both of these amazing, powerful, strong, independent women are running for high-level government offices. If you listen to Alexandra's episode, you know she is running for Congress. Kelly is running for Senate. And so we thought, what could be a better way to celebrate this election season and celebrate that many places are opening up early voting this week than sharing these two episodes, these two conversations of shameless moms who are running for office, running for big offices, going like straight to the top to take care of some business. So listen in, listen to both episodes that came out today, because they're not only going to help you as you are making decisions around voting, they are going to show you what is possible when it comes to women and moms choosing to use their voice choosing to own how much value your voice has, and choosing to step up and lead like a mother. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening. 
And let's dive in with Kelly Rose. Kelly Rose is a shameless mom, a mentor, and a voice for the community. Kelly takes pride in standing with those who are fighting for a better, more compassionate world. Kelly and her husband, Steve, live on a farm in McDonough, Georgia, with their two elementary-aged children, two horses, one pony, three donkeys, three dogs, and four cats. Their home is Kelly's favorite place to spend time with any spare moment, usually spent outside the barn visiting with her animals. Together, Kelly and Steve own and operate a successful local business, Studio 48, an acting studio on McDonough's Square. Independently, they are each still working in their long-standing careers in the television and film industry, Kelly as a post-production producer and Steve as an actor. In taking this turn to run for Senate District 17, Kelly hopes she can inspire the next generation to get involved and prove that you do not need a specific background or to look a certain way to take an active role in politics. Kelly believes, even with her pink hair, that as laws are made for us, it is time to now show everyone that they can be made by us. I loved this conversation, and I have to give a shout out to my dear friend, Laura Cathcart-Robbins, because Laura is actually friends with Kelly, and Laura interviewed Kelly a few weeks ago on her show, and then made the offer, the invitation um, and connection introduction for Kelly and I to get together. Dear friend, Laura Cathcart-Robbins, Kelly and Laura are friends, and I heard Kelly's interview with Laura on the Only One in the Room podcast a few weeks ago, and I loved Kelly's message, and Laura and I were chatting, and she volunteered to make this introduction, and oh my goodness, Kelly is just a force, and I'm so excited for you all to get in on this conversation. The thing I'll tell you, and you'll hear us talk about this in the interview, that the thing that stood out when Laura was talking to Kelly was that at a certain point in Kelly's run, a colleague of hers said, if you want to win, you're going to have to tone it down. And Kelly's not the kind of gal to tone it down. And as soon as I heard the way she responded to that question in the interview with Laura, I was like, oh, I'm going to need her to come on the Shameless Mom Academy. So here she is. She's amazing. She's a force. She is strong and powerful and brilliant. And you're going to love this conversation. If you are in District 17 in Georgia, please listen to this and see if it resonates with you and see if Kelly might be your candidate. So listen in and hear Kelly share why she decided to run for Senate after moving from California to Georgia, the trigger around women's rights that pushed her to go all in on her Senate run, the impact of her campaign and activism and hate mail on her family, how she handled it when her male colleague told her she should tone it down if she wanted to win, what it's like to run for office as a progressive candidate in a traditionally conservative district, How we can restore trust in politicians after such a massive erosion of trust over the last handful of years, and how she's allowing herself to take imperfect action every damn day while parenting and running for office. I think Kelly is going to inspire you. I think she's going to light you up. I think she's going to make you want to get out there and vote. So I'm so honored and grateful and very excited to introduce you to Kelly Rose. Kelly, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm really excited and truly honored to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. This is an honor. This is going to be a fun conversation. So we're recording on Thursday, October 8th, which is the day after the vice presidential debates. And so the first thing I said to you when we got on, I said, hey, what'd you think about last night? So (laughs) I think we need to just do a quick debrief of that because I think we had a similar reaction and I think it's worth talking about. So how do you feel after last night? Last night gave me a little more of the boost that I needed. I really am honored to have Kamala as our VP pick. I was pretty impressed. 
Yeah. I felt a lot of energy and momentum and hope <laughs> that I haven't felt in quite some time. So I really appreciated that conversation. I appreciate just that it was actually a conversation. I mean, there was that piece of it too that was valuable. I think a lot of it is also how she handled the situation, right? Because there's so many rules for us and as not just women, and then you have her being a, a strong and successful woman of color, but then how we're perceived. And you saw a lot of comments and tweets and memes today about the mental gymnastics on how to handle that situation and still be strong and assertive, but not overbearing. And it's exhausting, but I was so impressed by her. It really was inspiring. Yeah. Did you see Carrie Washington's post about it by chance? I did. And then I tweeted Carrie Washington with my campaign materials right after that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And to, what, to your point and to Carrie's point that like the mental gymnastics and like there's never a moment when she was on that stage that she wasn't thinking like, not only am I here as a woman and here as a woman of color and like up against all these barriers and boundaries and prejudgments and prejudices, like all of the things and that she was able to manage a masterful conversation with all of that going on in the background of her mind. How are they seeing me when I'm not talking is a common thread I've learned that it's not just women in business, but women in politics really have to because they're watching. Yeah. What is her, and I loved her facial expressions. I mean, I can relate to so much, but yeah, it was empowering. I have to say I'm pretty pumped after that. Yeah. Okay. So the first question I always ask is tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. And I feel like we might've just dug right into that already, but I'm sure there's other layers beyond last night that you're feeling really excited about. So tell us all the things. I mean, beyond my bio I feel like my life is kind of in a little vacuum right now because we are in, I don't know, 30 days or less out from the 2020 election. But I really just want to hide in my barn. Mm. Like, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about the first week of November, taking my kids, grabbing my horses and finding a cabin in the wood, in the mountains and like disappearing for a week with no phones. I mean, I know that doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but yeah, I've been running for office for 18 months. So that's huge for me. And, you know, I'm still working full time through everything. So I'm just kind of in it right now. Again, I think a little piece without social media is what I'm most excited about. In like the near future. Yes. And how old are your children? My son is seven and my daughter is 10. Okay. So you have the children and then you also have your pets, which are not, it's not like a, a puppy and a kitten. Like tell us your pet situation, which is in your bio, but I, let's just talk about that for a minute. <laughs> so it was just actually funny because it goes along with, you know, getting past identity after motherhood. I have a small farm in my district in Georgia. And right now we have two horses, three donkeys, all are female, by the way, five cats and three dogs. So I mean, why not work full time, have two children in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a cultural revolution, and then have a farm and then also run for office? Why not? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I actually it was the, my fifth year 
anniversary of having my horse. And during the pandemic, I had a lot of free time. So I got into a horseback riding accident and broke my collarbone. Oh my gosh. And in that time is when I bought the second horse. I mean, it's because I was convinced I was going to get right back up, which, you know, for those moms out there, you know, my head says I'm 25. My body does. Oh, oh. I just need to tell you, I'm actually icing my back as we speak, because I also think I'm 25, but I'm going to be 45 next month. And I bent over to pick up a 50 pound dumbbell thinking that like, oh, but it's only 50 pounds and just completely wrecked my back five days ago. I am so sorry. I want to do a plug at that point for CBD cream. Oh, (laughs) there's like five layers on my back. Okay. (laughs) Because that has helped me. And if you heard a little weird sound, that was my seven-year-old talking into the mic for just a second. I didn't even hear it, but oh, we love small friends. (laughs) Yes. Friends, so fun. Okay, so you said you have been running and on preparing for this campaign one way or another for 18 months. So tell us why you decided to run and what started 18 months ago. Yeah, I think about then. So I have to go back a little further than that. In 2016, my family and I relocated to where we live in, in Georgia, and I did a lot of research, as we do as moms, not just school districts, but voting records, all these things. And then in 2018, we had our gubernatorial race where Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp run against each other. And not just that change, but a whole bunch of state legislators changed because we run every two years. And there was a very conservative shift into a neighbor, into an area where I had just relocated my family and my life and all my animals. And so I started paying even closer attention. I have always been very active because as a an adult, we realize that every law affects everything we do. So I've always been very active. And then when this change happened in 2018 of leadership, I got even more engaged and started doing more research on the people that were representing my district. And so I was watching and then a little closer. And then in 2019, in the legislative session, they were going to, Georgia was primed to potentially ratify the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment here. And the clapback, if you will, from the conservative GOP was to not vote on the ERA, but to promote an anti-choice bill, which is a six-week abortion ban. And that turned everything upside down. So not only was I already engaged in kind of tentatively watching, here are these people voting against all of women in Georgia. And I got very vocal. I have always been pretty vocal about my views, but this took it to another level. The cool thing about living in it around Atlanta is that's where the Capitol is. So I got to spend so much time at the Capitol and all of what was happening there. And I lobbied my opponent and I lobbied the state rep for the area and said, don't vote on this. Please don't vote on this. You're not voting against my rights per se, which you are, but I'm not having any more children. We're voting against the future of the women of Georgia. And for those of you who don't know, Georgia bounces back and forth between 49th and 50th of all 50 states are having the highest maternal mortality rate, which means more women in Georgia die in and around childbirth than in any other state. And out of 159 counties, over half don't even, even have access to an OBGYN, right? This abysmal stats. And so I became even more engaged and active and me running, this is long story short, 
I ran for office because when I started speaking up, too many people told me, well, just leave if you don't like it. And I said, wait, wait, wait. That is probably one of the most privileged things anyone could say to someone. You don't like the laws, just leave. Well, what about all the, you know, I'm so invested here financially, spiritually, emotionally. And now knowing what I know, I can't leave. And not just that, women of color are more inclined to have a higher rate of 14 to one of dying during childbirth. I mean, at that point I said, you know what? I can't go to one more protest, not one more protest, not one more calling one of these, I'll be kind, not calling one of these conservative white men. And I said, I'm going to try I'm going to put my hat in the ring and give this community an option, just a choice. At the time it was just a choice and then see what happens. So that's kind of how that all happened. It felt like it's been a long journey, but I think it was just building up and building up and building up into the point where when that ban passed, I pulled the covers over my head. And then I said, that's not who I am. And I can't live like this. So, hey, honey, oh, by the way, I think I want to try this thing. <laughs> and, and what did he say? Well, being married to me at that point for, you know, almost 15 years, or we've been together almost 15 years at that point, And he said, Okay. <laughs> He's like, of course you do. Of course you need to just go one more level. <laughs> he just took a deep breath and said, whatever you need to do. And um, that's the beauty of the relationship I have is that because he saw it too, you know, and it's action. I'm a big action oriented person. And I just felt like I needed to have something tangible that I could stick my, you know, grab onto. Yeah. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And I love, I mean, I don't love it, but I relate to that feeling of 
like what the straw that breaks the camel's back where you're like, well, I'm invested in this and I'm following along and I'm speaking my mind and I'm getting more and more engaged as I go. And then like something happens and you're like, oh, and now I'm all in. <laughs> like this goes no further without me going all the way in. I don't know if that's something that we're born with. I think that motherhood makes that stronger. And I think maybe, I don't know, our personal sense of justice, I think there's people that have that. And I'm one of those people too, where you're like, I think I can stay calm or I can like just be on the sidelines to a point. And then you're like, no, <laughs> I'm going all in. I have a bully trigger. I talk about this all the time. I've always had it from elementary school through high school and definitely into adulthood. When I feel like someone is taking advantage and bullying, steamrolling at work too. I'm very, you know, I enjoy being a manager at work because I really work to protect people and make sure that we're communicating and collaborating. But when I feel like they're just, people are taking advantage just because they can, I, something clicks. Yeah. And I've always been that one that, you know, the friends push to the front of the group. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly has something to say. (laughs) (laughs) And my friends listening to this will laugh because that's, really what it's been. So that's how I felt. And I didn't like it. And it was like, well, if you don't like it, well, you can just leave. And I just, that's still to this day. No, that's not how the world works. At least that's not how I, my view of the world and how it should be. So yeah. Right. How has the campaign and your activism affected your family, both positive and negative over the last 18 months? Wow. You know, It's been so incredible and so challenging Mm. because whenever pre-pandemic and everything's moving, my kids have their lives, we have our business, things are slowly getting started and growing and my daughter would go to school and I love that. I have a 10 year old, now she's in fifth grade, but you know, my mom is taking on the world. You know, my mom is, we read all the books. My son has all of the, you know, he says, mom, do I have to read another pro woman book, you know, to bed at third grade? He's like, you know, that's just who we are. And she was so proud of me. All the kids would sit down at the lunch table in fourth grade and talk about who their parents voted for. I really assumed I was going to get a call from a principal at that point. (laughs) But she was so, both my children, so proud. And now through the pandemic, everything slowed down. I was at home a lot more, kind of campaigning remotely. But the last few months, they're tired. And a lot of it, ooh, I'm gonna get a little emotional. I didn't know this until this morning, but my husband had recorded my daughter receiving the attack mailers about me in the mail yesterday. And, you know, kids pick up on a lot. My kids are very engaged with what's happening. I think it's important. We don't have separate conversations, right? There's adult talk, but then we have them really engaged in my mind of raising little activists, but they're feeling the pressure because I'm starting to feel the pressure. And now we're trying to do virtual learning and all of these things are happening. And all they see are people attacking their mom. And the other side has been very nasty. I've been working really hard to maintain some sort of grace in this, but I can't shield them from that. And so when my daughter is getting these ads saying that their mom wants to promote rioting in the streets, first of all, 
heard, but she's 10. And so I can feel it. And that's what the challenge is, is that I can't shield them from that part of the ugliness, but I can give them an example of how to carry themselves through that and how to differentiate truly people that are of service and good, kind people with those that are self-serving. So it's a little tough the last few weeks because it's been so incessant and obviously their mom is being picked on. But overall, <laughs> my entire family's ready for this to be over. <laughs> that I will say is a consensus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. I mean, like what an amazing, highly valuable experience for your children, like such huge impact that this will have on their lives. And also, yeah, like it doesn't come without a cost and without taking a toll for sure. For just one thing, they are seeing how you handle people coming after you with lies and just negativity. And they've also seen me reach out to people who have come to my defense say on social media, but have gotten a little unkind in their own right. And how I reach out to them and say, here, this is what we do when our friends are maybe out of line and we talk to them. And so I have used that as an example of how to, but man, my poor kids' friends, they already know who's their friend's parents vote for it. Like, it's like, there's no hiding. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. I love it. So I was introduced to you through mutual friend, Laura Cathcart Robbins, and you were on her show, uh, I think it was about a month ago. And what jumped out at me was an experience you had with a colleague, a male colleague telling you that if you wanted to win, that you should tone it down. And when you were talking about this, I immediately like I went to that same place I talked about a minute ago of like, oh, that's how this is going to go. Now I'm going to take it up a notch. (laughs) And so and I got the sense that that was kind of your response too. And so can you talk about what that conversation looked like and also your response to it and what has happened since then? Yes, that was Man, the night that that was said to me was a town hall. I had just declared my candidacy and it was a town hall that my opponent was at and I spoke up because there was some information that I didn't feel was uh, being relayed accurately. And afterwards, this person who is an elected official pulled me aside and said, hey, this is not how you get what you need here. You know, women are quieter, basically encouraged me to let people mansplain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much fun, right? And as a very successful expert in my field, I work in post-production in mostly unscripted television, half my entire career. And I have built this, but still carrying over some of what I learned when I was bartending through college, you know, those kind of things. Hearing that as I'm trying to get my footing was very off-putting, but my core and my instinct said, no, that's not how I'm going to win. And what I said to him in the moment was, if I change who I am, will it guarantee me a win? Knowing the answer is, of course not, right? So I made a decision and a promise to myself that I would spend every single day on this journey honoring who I am and being, being an example 
for others to be true to their authentic selves. And who I am is a little louder, a little, you know, more in your face. And that's okay because it's just who I am. But I resolved that day that I would not do that. So fast forward to, man, a year later, and we got our primary results in. And for the first time, I think in the history of this seat, as a Democratic challenger, I received more votes than the Republican incumbent. In fact, I pulled 3,200 more votes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that person so pulled 56% of the vote, it, comparatively, right? We weren't running against each other. And neither of us had primary opponents. But that person called me. And that person called me and said, Kelly, how'd you do it? And I just took a moment. And I said, well, I was me, you know, and what it did is it, it validated everything that I thought. Now I want to give a a shout out if I may, there's a group called putting women in their place, which I love that name. And they work with female progressive candidates. And one thing the woman that runs that, that group said to me was, and this resonated in 2018 of all the candidates, female candidates that ran when they had kind of a postmortem afterwards the one consensus was wishing that they had gone with their instincts and stayed as authentic to themselves as possible. That was their takeaway. And so that conversation stayed with me as well. And so I like sharing that to encourage other people because there's so many people who have told me to tone it down. Don't be so open about this. Don't talk about that. Everyone has an opinion, but we all have our opinions based on through our own lenses, through our own perspective. So I have to take it in, take what I can use and leave the rest. And so here I am coming up on this and just killing it and with an amazing team. So that's kind of how I've dealt with that. But when I win, oh yeah, (laughs) I'm going to know that I did it being who I am, you know, because the worst thing would have been changing who I am and then not winning. You know what I mean? I mean, I might not win anyway, but... Or changing who you were and winning and then trying to figure out like, well, now who am I supposed to be? Like, Am I going to serve in this position as this like reserved, like smaller version of myself? Or am I going to serve now show them who I really am and then freak people out? You know, like, that's not going to work well either. Well, that doesn't get and also that doesn't. Right. Exactly. Everything you just said. <laughs> and someone said to me once, I think it was like a young dumb. I was the high school dumbs. They had me on their Instagram live and they, we were telling these stories and they said, it sounds like this has been about the journey, not necessarily about the destination. And I think that's true. Obviously I have a goal, but when we do things in life and I've tried to carry this in my personal life and my business life, and now in this political position, if it's about who I am every day and not about where I'm trying to go, but just who I, I am. Things just tend to work out the way they're supposed to. Yeah. And you're going to, what I've found is you attract the people that you want to serve and you attract the people that you want to work with and be in connection with and in relationship with and networking with and like all those places. And those are the people you want to attract. You don't want to attract people to your inauthentic self and then be like, now I have to hang out with these people. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work well. (laughs) I honestly, when he said that to me, I'm sure there was a part of me. I mean, looking back that went into a slight panic mode of, well, I'm in it. So we might as well see what happens. I don't 
think I know how to be anything else. I, you know, being in something happens, I think when you hit 40, that caring what other people think really goes out the window and about who I am as a person, like who my core is, right? I have my core friends, I have my core beliefs, and I'm constantly trying to learn and grow. And I don't know that I know how to be something I'm not anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm really, really curious. I'm in Seattle, so super liberal and liberal for a long time, kind of a city. I'm so curious what it's like to run for office as a progressive in a traditionally conservative district, because I have, I don't know, I mean, it's just a, I guess, a position of privilege to have been born and raised in a place where my values are reflected in my city and like everyone around me. And which there's pros and cons to that for sure. Um, I have to keep like myself in check to make sure I recognize that there's a lot of people out there who have different relationships with their cities and their leaders and their politicians and everything. I'm very curious what it's like to be progressive in this traditionally conservative space. And again, to continue to show up and honor yourself in your true voice. (laughs) I'm laughing because I mentioned to you this earlier, and I'll say for the listeners, I was in a slightly different space when I answered this question for Laura on her podcast, and it has been turned into an attack ad on me. (laughs) What I knew when I moved here was by running the numbers that there were people that thought the way I did, they just weren't out in the open. And right, I couldn't be doing so well if I just created this ideology here of a more progressive ideology. That doesn't work that way. I'm not I'm not standing by myself on an island. But what happened is attempting to taking on running for this seat, I kind of became a beacon in the way that a lighthouse is where, hey, just so you know, I agree with, like, this is what I believe in. And if you believe in this too, let's all get together. And so I did it kind of on a hope that that would happen. And it has exceeded my expectations. Uh, The amount of community and strong community of like-minded people that I am now connected with, no matter what the outcome of the election, because I took a chance of standing up where I thought I was one of the only ones, like I knew, you know, and like, I don't know how to explain it. There's that time where you you go, you know, I know if I take a leap off this, there's going to be a landing there, but I just don't see it yet. That's what I did. And that's what I promised my husband. I said, you know, something tells me that we're going to have way more people coming forward than we, than, than it seems right? Because our business is in a very conservative part of the district. I am the first openly progressive and successful and thriving business in our little town square. And what I've done is create this, hey, like, come, like, we all agree. And that's the thing is that in 2016, in my county, Hillary pulled 49%. So if if she pulled 49%, that means we were here. But I will tell you that I know why people don't speak up. And I know why people run is because the the negativity and the just being ostracized and the backlash people have called businesses that have supported me and said don't I'll never go to you I mean it has been so ugly that I get it I get why it felt like we were the only ones but I heard that from so many people I didn't know that there were other people that thought like me or I knew my family felt like me or maybe a couple neighbors but I didn't know that so-and-so down the road did and so at first it was really scary to run in this district 
And then it started to get more exciting. And then it went back to being a little scary. But and it has been for a few months, but now it's so exciting. And the amount of people who are really searching for equity and equality and love for all and really an acceptance of others that maybe look different, believe in different things, or have a different take and perspective, there's a lot of us here that are encouraging of that. And so even though it had been traditionally conservative, I think we were just ready. I think, but it's not just me, right? I think there's a whole combination. You have, I don't think it's an accident in the universe that the pandemic, the social unrest, everything is happening in 2020 on an election year, right? I don't think it's an accident at all. I, I do think that there's some bigger design that is pushing us all together. And I just happen to be here for it. And it's been good. I, don't know, I think that answers your question. But <laughs> no, no, that's a fascinating answer. And I, it's so interesting because I imagine, I'm thinking of myself if I lived in a town that was traditionally really conservative and seeing someone like you come into town and me like seeing myself reflected in your values and thinking like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to go into her storefront and be like, I just want you to know that I'm with you. Like whispering, like, I'm totally in it with you. <laughs> and then also having the courage, like in your voice getting bigger, having the courage to make my voice bigger. And I can just see what a powerful series of events that could be over time that no matter the outcome leads to something really powerful on the back end. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And so whether it is you and Senate or you having created this place for 
progressive people to come and have safety and have a united voice and be connected and connect with one another. Like that's also super, super powerful and important. And that's the point. I really think that is why I was called to do this because going back to (laughs) the attack ad where I was quoted on, you know, there's this idea of Southern hospitality, which does exist. And there are people here, but a lot of it got thrown out of the window by people that disagree with the platform that I believe in, that we believe in, right? You're liberal. I was raised in a conservative house in Los Angeles, but social issues were never on the table. So this is a different kind of conservative that I was not ready for. And that is what they had been using against me was, oh, that Kelly doesn't like Georgians. No, I love it here. Like this is where I'm raising my children and have this amazing farm and all these things are happening. But what I wasn't ready for, and I will stand today and say, I do not like is this idea that politeness supersedes respecting people's civil rights. And that I still can't get behind. And, you know, as many people who have heard that me say that there is a level of, yeah, it's time. You know, I was here for the Confederate statue coming down in my town square. That is incredible in its own right. Yeah, yeah. And my kids are here for it. I mean, these are all wins as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah, huge. So I have a question around trust for you with this, what I would identify, and you can definitely identify it in your own way if you want, but I would identify this massive erosion of trust in our current leadership that I think has created an erosion of trust across the board. Like, and I would say even for myself, you know, I think it's layers of political agenda over the last couple decades. And maybe it's just, the, you know, as I've gone through my 20s and 30s and had more awareness, and now I'm into the middle of my 40s, there's this erosion of trust among politicians. And I feel like, you know, for sure, it's never been as great as it is right now. And so how do we know who we can trust? And this has been an interesting thing for me to watch in terms of this current administration. And there are so many people that have a lot of trust in the current administration, which is so wild to me. (laughs) So what do you think about trust and trust in candidates and their words and their actions and all those kinds of things? That is so tough. Yeah, it is, right? I I don't expect you to have a polished answer on this. It's not that. It's that I still have a problem seeing myself as a politician. Mm. Because even though that's technically, as my husband has reminded me, that's what I am now. And that idea of public service has, and what they are, public servants, elected officials, kind of gone out the window. And how do we trust You know, it's this layer of really this idea. I guess I'm going to go into being, okay, I'm 43 and I feel like I'm on the tail end of this generation that was taught you had to look a certain way, have a certain background or do something to run for office. And then you have this younger generation that's just, you know, straight to the wall. Let's do this. We're, We're overturning the system. And I love that. But I still had this idea of, you know, you have to be more refined or contained or controlled or whatever it was. And then that wasn't going to work because that is the system that's in place currently. So how do we trust people? I think we have to, I would like to see more people in office share who they are outside of their work, right? 
because it's tough. People have to really pay attention and educate. All of us have to educate ourselves on not just what a person says, but watch their voting record or watch how they interact with people. Or like, for example, my opponent, many, 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 many people have said, oh, they're such a nice family. And that's fine. And they might be polite or they might be nice. I know them personally, but that's another podcast. But, <laughs> but when I look at the votes and I look at the track record, no amount of smiling in my face can make me trust you. And I've seen the damage that has been done. Yet, a smile and a handshake for some reason makes all that go away for some people. And so I'm struggling with that idea as well. That's why for me, I put like my husband and I singing in the car or my kids are in my campaign photos, super disheveled. I think my son doesn't have shoes on. But <laughs> I couldn't get him to put shoes on that day. And I think he cut his own hair that morning. I mean, I think, I don't know if this exactly answers your question, but I think that it's, I don't know how we trust people, but I think we have to trust our instincts and dig in a little. And anyone that seems too polished really is like, well, let me step back. Or even if it's too polished or on the flip side of that doesn't reveal anything about them, doesn't reveal any vulnerability. Yeah. And I think we're ready for people to be vulnerable. If you're representing us and you're making decisions for our lives, then let me see who you are as a person person. And a lot of people don't want us to see. That's the thing. They don't want us to see behind the curtain because they know we won't go for it. And so I always say I'm an activist turned, you know, I guess politician technically, but it's my activism and my, that's what drives me. Not this idea of furthering a career. Right. It's not about holding office. It's about it's the activism supersedes the holding like the holding office is like now the really hard thing you have to go do because you're an activist. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of unfortunate. (laughs) I don't mean it in a bad way. But like, it's, and it kind of goes back to what we started with, like, well, now if this is what I believe in, and this is what I stand for, and I see these things unfolding in my city, or my state, now, oh gosh, like that means the only next logical step is that now I have to go be a politician. <laughs> a lot of people run for the quote unquote prestige of office. And you're not in it for the prestige. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is my seat up until this last legislative session, we get the state legislators in Georgia make 17,000 a year and they just lowered it. There was a big vote to my opponent likes to talk about is like be of service and lower what they're making to now 13,000 a year. So only independently wealthy or people, lawyers, a lot of people with businesses like that can run. I can run because I'm a freelance TV person. So I'm used to doing everything freelance. But what it's done is it's made it so by not paying your legislators, you're essentially attracting people that need to work the system to be part of the system, right? What are they getting out of it? If you're not getting paid, what are you truly getting out of it? And that makes me nervous. I don't want that. I want teachers to educators to be able to run. I want essential workers to be able to afford to run. This idea that a select elite few, and I don't 
find myself in that, but just as select few are able to. Well, it's privilege. I mean, it's totally privilege. So lowering it, I love it because right now they're like, well, we're lowering it so we can show you that we're part, we're sacrificing for you. No, no, no. That's because. So now only more rich people can run. <laughs> Thank you. Or, they're, or it's an attempt to punish all these. I mean, I'm running with scientist moms and I'm running with doctor moms and I'm running you know, alongside all these incredible women who have had enough. And so who do we trust? I don't know. It's a system that is very broken. I will, there's some stuff where the lobbyists run some of these groups that you think have our best interest in, at heart and then make decisions that we've just gotten to see a little bit behind the ugly political curtain more than I think we've wanted to on this as well. Yeah, that's a good point. It's disappointing. But for me is I have a lot of under 25s on my campaign. And it's all about breaking it open from the inside. And that's the only way to make a change is to get in. And I hope I want to be held accountable that I can continue to do that, that I hold that idea that I'm going in for the people. And the people got our, my community elects me and my community is going to keep me there. And so, yeah, you hear, well, you're going to have to play politics, but to a certain extent, because my finances aren't tied to this. And I think that's really important is that I'm not seeking higher office. I just want to go back to my horses, (laughs) but I truly want to thwart the interesting I well, I don't know why I chose that word, but I would like to interrupt the pipeline of power profits over people if I can. So that's the main goal. Be a disruptor. Yes. I love it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So final question. How are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? My goal is just to be the best example of a mom that I can be. And when I tell you that I will be talking to constituents and my son will climb out the car window onto the top of the car because that I will not reprimand him in public. Oh my God. That is it. It is just real. And my kids, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for your kids. I'm doing this for kids that don't even realize that that's why I'm here. You know, that mom gene really kicks in when it comes to protecting others. And that's how I feel right now. I feel like the mom that's like, oh no, we need to come together. And my kids are, you know, they'll get through this campaign season and hopefully we'll be able to look back and see, you know, how much we've grown. But, you know, one thing I will say is that I'm not doing it perfectly and I'm okay with that. They may get fast food, (laughs) they may get bed late, their homework may not be done, but they know that they're loved and that there's a greater purpose. And they may not understand what that greater purpose is at this point, but they know that that they're the reason and my inspiration for doing this. I love it. I interviewed Dr. Alexandra Owensby, who's running for Congress in, oh my gosh, Kentucky. Kentucky. And she had a similar answer. And she was like, right now, she's a single mom. And she's like, right now, people are dropping food off for us. And they know they're not allowed in the house because the house is a whole scene. And she's like, so she's like, that's how I'm shameless. Like, the house is a disaster. And that's how it should be when you are a mom running for political office. So I love it. My son makes it a thing. He will climb out of the window on top of the car (laughs) while I'm trying to have a conversation with strangers. And you're trying to be super polite parenting, like, oh, honey, could I please ask you to get down off the car? Get down off the car. Get down. But, you know, and then I just laugh. And the other thing is, 
I'm allowing people to help me. Mm, so good. That is hard because it's like, you know, we have this idea of what it should look like. No, I need help. <laughs> I need help because my kid, you know, is climbing on my leg and hasn't probably well past the time they need to eat. And, <laughs> you know, they, but that we're almost at the finish line. So their hair may be brushed. They may not be, but like, that's okay. You know, and what I've noticed is that everyone relates. And the only people that are judging are people that don't think like I do anyways. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I know I kind of talk. (laughs) No, you were fantastic. I love that this was, it's funny because I had the podcast in 2016 during election time, but um, did not interview any candidates. And now I've had the chance in the last month to interview Dr. Ownsby and you. And I love that. I'm like, oh, like politicians can just be moms and normal people. This I think is really, really eye-opening. And so what I want to say is my thank you to you is that I see the work that you're doing. I so appreciate that you showed up and that you're just here to have a conversation and you don't, you're not driven by like, I have this agenda and these seven talking points we need to get through. Because what that does, I think, is it allows us to see you. It allows us to see that vulnerable side of you, which we've already talked about how essential that can be. But also I think it gives other moms permission to go do the same thing, to go take action, to go run for office, to go take on leadership roles in their communities and at the government level. And I think that is so, so, so past due and so critical. And so I just want to thank you for what you're doing to, for you to be seen allows so many other women to be seen. Thank you. I, I love that so much. I mean, really there's so much good that's going to come out of just so many of us and you giving this platform is so incredible. It really is. There's just so much good that's going to come out of us coming together. I wanted one last thing. When I first decided to run, I joined a leadership academy. I did all these things. And then I found this woman on Facebook who had run before. And I was watching some of her posts. And she's in Ohio. And she's a mom, a single mom, I believe. And I cold called her basically on Facebook and said, Hey, can I ask you some questions about what it's like to run and how that affects you emotionally? And she said, yeah, of course. So I called her and we spoke a couple of times and we've been following each other's races for the last year and encouraging each other and supporting each other and giving feedback to each other. And that's all because we're able to be a little vulnerable and reach out and say, Hey, I've never done this before, but you have, can we talk about it? And how we've just built a friendship across the country of one other mom, you know, who has had enough and wanted to run. And she's from Australia running in Ohio. Oh my gosh. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But it's incredible. And there is so much to this. And I love that you caught that at the end of this, having inspiring someone else to do something and letting them know it's okay, because we are told it's not okay. And that goes back into how we started with the debate last night is what I got out of it, you know, take the other guy out of the equation. But what Kamala did is say, it's okay, be you and show up. And we all loved it. We all rallied. And um, I don't know. Thank you, Sarah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This has been so powerful and beautiful. And I'm just really, really, really grateful for your time, especially when we're just weeks out from the election. (laughs) So we will make sure that we have everything that people need to find you in our show notes. So where can people find you and vote for you and all that good stuff? 
So I'm running for Georgia Senate District 17, and my website is votekellyrose.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at kellyroseGA17. And please, if you are thinking about running and you have a question, I want to share every bit of information that I've learned and had because I don't feel like anyone should have to go into this trying to figure it out on their own. So my cell number is the one listed on the website. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's been- I just texted her right before this interview, you all, so it works. <laughs> I've had a few people surprised that they got me, but that's it. And as a grassroots, you know, mom campaign, you know, mm-hmm. I check all the messages. I check the email and I, and that phone, I'm the one that answers because I want to help anyone that feels like they want to make a difference. And if I could share anything, I absolutely want to. And I'm really looking forward to getting through the next few weeks and winning. (laughs) Yes. And winning. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. You are so amazing. And I'm so grateful for the time you took with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.